Okay, welcome to the show. So you can hear me when I'm gone. Gems for the Generations special. If you're a first time listener to this podcast, we're uh, welcome. And this is the podcast where we explore the life journeys of various family figures and the stories they've experienced. All people go through life and they come away from certain experiences with gems of truth, nuggets of wisdom, certain bits of knowledge that they know for sure. And it's our purpose on this show to capture, if we can, those gems of knowledge and wisdom so we can share them with future generations. As part of our respect for the privacy of the guests uh, we have on our show, we release two versions of the episode, a public version and a privacy honoring version, uh, which can be provided to you, our listeners, uh, by emailing, emailing the show. Uh, today, we are very grateful. We have, um, we have Renee Perry on with us, my grandmother, who's going to interview with us. Grandma, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? We're good. We're good. We're so excited. We're, we're excited to do this because we've got all these pandemic protocols in place and everybody's all isolated. And so for good or ill, we uh, haven't been able to see each other very often. And so this is very, this is a special treat. I'm excited. I agree. Um, so grandma, so, so who are you? You are my grandmother. Yes. I am your second son's oldest. And uh, we are recording. Uh, I'm here in Salt Lake City. Uh, Mike is in Springville. And you, where are you? I'm in Middleton, Idaho. Okay. Um, well, Grandma, tell us a little bit about yourself. Just, just briefly where you're where you're from, and then... Okay. Uh, I was born in Perwin, Utah, and uh, on April the 10th, 1935. So I'm old. I'm 85 <laughs> now. <laughs> and uh, I've had a good life, and I married Bill Perry on December the 14th, 1955. I have to stop and think. It's been so long ago. <laughs> anyway, and we lived a good life and enjoyed one another, and uh, we fought like cats and dogs part of the time, but part of the time we didn't, and the, the good times outweighed the bad, and we both learned a lot while we were together, recognizing that we wanted to be together forever, and Absolutely. so we went to the temple and made that true, and made that happen for us. You're sealing the temple. Grandma, how, uh, when did you and Papa uh, join the church? I, I was a member when I was a kid. I got baptized, I think, when I was 12. And maybe I was 11. I was 11 or 12. Anyway, I've never actually added it up. Uh, Papa joined the church in, uh, you shouldn't have asked me that, 18, 18, no, 19. Okay, he joined the church. The 5th of August, I think it was, uh, I don't know what year it was. Your dad, your dad was, was 10 and Karen was eight. So yep. you can figure that out. Yep. Um, and how long had they all been, been married when you joined the church or when, when Papa joined the church, I guess? Oh, probably 15 years, 15 or 16 years. I don't know. I've never yeah. actually added that up either. Was Dina born at that time? I thought she had been. Or no, she no, was... no. She came after that. I oh. Her. Yeah. No, she was too born at that time. Yeah. She's three years younger than Karen. So Karen, I know, was born in 49. Because that's yeah. year Papa graduated from OTI. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Why I can remember that, who knows. And then um, after y'all had joined the church, um, when when were y'all sealed after that? Was that just a few years down the road? I assume so. Oh, no, that was, well, no, after after Papa joined the church, because I was already a member. Right. Uh, he, it was about, I'm just guessing, see these dates, 
the man that knew all the dates died. And so I have to remember them and, and I haven't done very well at it. You're okay. We're less concerned about the dates right now, more the experiences. Okay. I'm glad because I can't remember, but it was, it was a few years after, but not a lot. Yeah. Probably three or maybe two or three or four. I don't know. So you have four children and oh boy, let me think about this. I gotta, I gotta do the numbers now myself, a passel of grandchildren oh, and a, have, a whole heap of great grandchildren. Yes. I've, I have got 13 grandchildren. Dina Kay is my, is not Dina Kay. <laughs> okay. Kaylin Dodge is the youngest. And then I have got 31 great-grandchildren. And when Jana has her baby, I'll have 32. That's right. Jana's pregnant. I keep forgetting. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I keep forgetting, but I do. 31. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. That's great. It's great. It's just, it, and every one of them are beautiful and good. And, and I love every one of them very much. Family is so important, um, and uh, I know for me, I'm I'm grateful that you and Papa got sealed because it it strengthens the rest of the family tremendously. How has what are your thoughts on the sealing and and our family as it continues to grow? Well, I feel it. it that, here's what it does for me. It's like. I don't get to see you kids all the time. I see you pretty often, more than some grandparents get to do. But I I know that I will never be without you because we are together and we are all sealed and we're all going to be together. It doesn't matter. Um, it's like I tell the girls, it doesn't matter whether we're dead or alive we're still related and we'll be together and that's what's important is is the entire our entire life before after during and after all of that's important and it's majorly important to me to have that knowledge death is not um the end it's not an obstacle that we are concerned about overlay because we know we have these promises and, and covenants um, for the family to be sealed um, as a chain yeah. chain through the generations it's like i love you and i know that you love me and it's okay if we can't see each other physically every day right yeah yeah exactly well grandma tell us about Tell us about your your experiences with with the gospel, from whatever you'd like to whatever you'd like to share with us. What tell us about your experiences with the gospel? Well, I'll try not to get into too much detail, okay? Because <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> I've been trying to write it, by the way, too. I don't know if I'll ever get it done, but anyway, yes. Well. Um, I didn't understand what I had in the gospel for years and years and years and years and went without it. But after Bill joined the church, Bill and Karen and Dan were baptized at the same time. And I had had, I'd had David baptized. We went and had David baptized quite a bit earlier, quite a few years earlier. So we were just, we just needed Dina baptized to get us all in the church. But as I watched, my family grow in the gospel, I became converted. Because when we were married, I was not converted at all. In fact, I was far away from the gospel and didn't really want to have too much to do with it because I'd had a bitter experience as a teenager. That's not the story now, but that's another story. Um, at any rate, as I watched Bill grow in the gospel because once he got baptized, he absolutely knew through a very special experience that he had that the Savior knew who he was and loved him. And he was not about to not obey everything the Lord wanted him to do. 
he went at great lengths to do that. And in order to do that, he had to change a lot of habits that he had in his life. And of course, it took him a lifetime to get most of them changed, which is normal. But as I watched him, the first thing when he got baptized was after he realized we needed to have family home evening, he says, we're going to have family home evening every Monday night. And I said, well, no, we're not. I'm, I'm got a class, an art class I'm taking, and I do not want to have any activity other than my art class that night. Because I'd felt deprived for years not being able to have an art class. So I put my foot down and he just looked at me and he said, it doesn't matter whether you come or not, we are going to have family for me. <laughs> and so I tried to go the first meeting and I had such a guilty conscience that I couldn't leave the house to even go to my class. And it just got worse each week because I could see the kids enjoying this so much and loving every second of it and participating. And they were having so much fun and I'm sitting on the outside being bored to death. So it didn't take me long before I caved in and said, okay, I'll have fun and home evening. That started the ball rolling because then there was pannier tithing and all this stuff that goes with it. And Papa never questioned any of that. And he uh, he just went forward and did it. He was determined. He was determined. And he actually hadn't quit smoking when they baptized him, which is an interesting subject on its own. And I've never been able to actually analyze that completely, except that the bishop that interviewed him must have felt totally impressed by the spirit that this man was determined to join the church because they baptized him. And then Shortly after that, we went to we moved to Corvallis. He uh, went into church to a meeting, and this guy named Lyman Johnson, no Lyman, well can't remember his last name. His name first name was Lyman. I'll remember it sometime. Okay. Anyway, he said he told Lyman. Lyman and his wife Libby invited us all to dinner, and I couldn't believe that anybody would have all six of us to dinner. Because we were kind of hicky and didn't know how to behave too well in public or anything. And I questioned them on it. They said, no, we want you to come. Well, they did. And while they were, we went. And while they, him and Lyman, Bill and Lyman were talking out in the garage, Bill told him, he said, I still smoke in Lyman. And Lyman says, one of these days you'll throw it away and it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So it didn't take Papa very long before he quit smoking and shaped his life up as much as he could. Uh, by the earlier, just a little bit earlier, and I know I'm traveling on here, but it'll go faster in a minute. He dumped all of our beer out that we had, and I watched him run it down the drain. And I love beer. That was my favorite thing. <laughs> That's all of the hard liquor we had. He poured it down the drain, and I am just yelling and screaming at him. <laughs> this is before family home evening. Anyway, you can tell I was rebellious. I was totally against this. But he would all not, these changes. He would not give up. He persisted. And we started being active in church and I fell in love with everybody at church and he did and the kids grew and I remember one Sunday I said, I'm not going to church today, Bill. I'm just sick of the whole thing. I'm not going to go because I was tired and I was in bed. And the next thing I knew, all four of the kids were lined up at the foot of our bed. And Dan was the spokesman. He always was. He says, Mom, can we just go to church? We won't bother you if you'll just let us go to church. Please, Mom. We'll be careful. We'll ride our bikes. We don't need to worry about this. Everything will be fine. Just let us go. Well, my mother's heart softened and I got up and we went to church. And for years and years, we have not missed, have not missed at all because Papa was devoted and I finally was getting converted. And the story goes on and then we just got more converted all the time. And uh, Everywhere we moved, then Papa got new calls, and before long, he was made elder quorum president. 
And he didn't know even what to do. And the bishop, all they told him was, is just for the state president said, just go home and pray and the Lord will tell you what to do. So we went home and prayed about it, being an elf quorum president. And as he sat down to write a few things down, he, he told me this in his own words. Out of the pencil came all the things that I needed to do to help Susan. Said I had no idea what I was even writing. And finally my pencil just quit writing and I looked at it and I took it to the bishop and the bishop said, this is the most beautiful thing I've seen. So he listened to the Lord and I'm grateful for it. We just grew and grew and grew strong in the gospel. Each, each year we grew stronger and then before long, he said, Renee, we're going to the temple. And I said, no, I'm not going. You didn't ask me. And he never did ask me. He said, well, we're leaving on such and such a date. And I thought I was ready to go. <laughs> I was a stinker. But I'm so grateful that he was, he made up his mind. And once Papa made up his mind, he didn't ever let go of that thought. That ended up being good and bad. Yeah. Because sometimes his thoughts weren't right. Double-edged sword. Yeah, they kept us in the gospel. But this was, sounds like this was the, the main driver for the, for the early years, the, starting out in that conversion process. It was. And I just kept getting more into it and more into it. And I was really excited president, I think, three times in my lifetime. And held lots of other jobs. The big, biggest and the funnest job I ever was was seminary teacher. That's that was the to me that was the gospel was seminary. Teaching seminary. How how did you begin with teaching seminary? How did that all happen? Gee. Well, we were in Libby, Montana, and the seminary teacher got released because he was, he'd done some things that weren't quite right, and I don't even know what those things were. At any rate, they needed a seminary teacher, and so they called me. So I think that was in like 80, maybe 84, I'm just guessing, but they were 85. Uh, I've got a plaque anyway with the my first class's names on it that they gave me for being a good seminary teacher. And that's when it started. And then I was a seminary teacher for um, about 21 years. And then the Lord told me I was done and I didn't want to be done, but he told me I was done. And I told the state president and he didn't want me to be done, but he agreed that if the Lord told me I, we needed to mind. And so I was released and then about a month later, I was called to be the seminary supervisor and teach teachers how to teach for our state. So Where was that when that you became the supervisor? In in uh, in Red, uh, Redmond. Yeah. Oh, was it my goodness, yes, it was in Redmond. Well, I know you've been teaching seminary forever, and that's been a hallmark. You you taught me all through four all four years. I, I loved every minute of it. I think uh, early morning seminary. Um, I think I think you taught all of. Well, let me think here. It was just uh, I think me and Dina were the last group because at that point we'd moved to Boise. I think everybody had moved to Boise. John and Stan. Well, yeah, they were Jennifer, John, and Stan. Yep. And you. And Dina. Um, but I think Dina and I were the last. I don't think because that at that point Heather. Um, I didn't teach Heather. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I got released, and then um, what happened? Goodness, I can't even remember. Uh, we went on a uh, we were we went on our mission. That's right. Because I 
we worked in the temple when I was still a seminary teacher. The uh, the Portland Temple, yeah, I think, Portland. right? Yeah, so you'd make that drive up there, and then and then you went on the mission to uh, Michigan. Yes, yeah. Is that is that right or Wisconsin? Yeah. I thought it was Michigan. No, it was the Milwaukee, Wisconsin mission, but it was uh, up mainly. It was up in Michigan. Oh, okay. Michi Michigan is a hand, and we were up in the very uh, top end of the hand. The fingers get the hot finger there, and. Uh, we were in, that was called Ishpeming and Houghton. Hmm. Um, they have some pretty fun names up there. Oh, they did. They did. Uh, it was, I loved it. It was just, uh, Mama was sick at the time and I had to come home and take care of her. So we didn't get a whole two years in. We got a year in and then we came home and took care of her. Yeah. And Papa was always angry because we didn't get a what were some of the the big highlights of teaching seminary teaching the gospel oh man there were lots of them to see to see to watch you kids learn i've i just the way I've always operated is I don't look at the person's outside appearance. I, whenever I find somebody, I look right into their eyes and I can tell by looking into their eyes, the goodness that they have. And all I can see is good in kids. I can't see any, I've never been able to see any bad in kids. So, I always just wanted to help them to, so that they could see how wonderful they were because I could see how wonderful they could become. It was, it was really interesting. I think God gave that gift to me for, with kids, with especially teenagers. Even little kids, I can see it. I, I've, seen it in, in, I've seen it in Jacob's eyes and Jack. And those little boys, I just was, and Daxton and Boxing, I've seen that in those boys' eyes. They, they're, they're powerful people, and they're good. And I, and, and I would see that in the kids in seminary, and I just wanted to give them the gospel so bad that I just, makes me tearing thinking about it. But I just wanted to instill in them the love of the Savior so badly and I could never see any wrong in them and because I could see that in them I believe that then they kind of felt they saw it in themselves too and as I watched them learn and be able to recite scriptures and tell experiences that they had that pertain to the, to the scriptures in their lives it was just the most beautiful thing. And I just felt blessed to be in their midst. And I have always felt that way. Seminary was my entire life. So many students, so many, so many kids' lives influenced for, for the better because of your efforts diligent efforts i i hope so because i just and today i still can see those kids and love them it's just uh it's just been a real interesting experience for me in my life how has has teaching seminary how has that influenced your participation in the gospel do you think Oh man, that's probably the biggest reason I'm in the gospel. <laughs> because I I I wanted to learn everything. I didn't. I I couldn't read very well when I when I had my first seminary class. It was just like I was. Well, no, it was even farther than that. It was when you were just a boy, just three or four years old, 
and we were in Portland, Oregon. And Daddy had a job at the Forest Service down there downtown. And we lived out at um, Aloha, out of Portland. Aloha, yeah, that's right. And there was an institute downtown, an institute building where the, the college kids came. And I got I I wanted to go there so bad and take every class they had. And so David got on the bus with me and taught me how to ride down to Portland on the bus and how to get off and what to do. And so I got courage enough and I signed up for the class, the institute classes. And I took every class they had there. We were there for, I think we were there for two years in Portland. And in that course of time, I took every religion class the Institute had and passed them all with good grades, even. So I learned, I started learning the scriptures and I got a taste of it and I just couldn't quit studying it. It just, and it's been a, it's been one of my greatest joys. And I have, I, my scriptures, some of the kids said they're going to fight over them when I did because I got them all wrote marked and everything. And then my grand, my Dina Marie bought me a new uh, Book of Mormon journal. So now I'm writing in the side pages of this new one, and it is the most wonderful. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a cool book. They've got all this space for, for writing. Yeah. They, her and the kids brought it to me before Christmas. They said, when they, they had them, and then I, they came out and I was teaching them a little, a couple of lessons. And they saw, I saw theirs, and I said, oh my gosh, I've got to get me one of these. And they were afraid I wouldn't get it, so they went and bought one for me and brought it back out to the house. And I've been in it every day since. The scriptures taught me what I had done wrong for so many years in my life. And it got me acquainted with who my Savior is. And that knowledge of knowing that he is with me all the time has been a real hallmark since Dad passed. Because it's true. The, Jesus is the Christ. And we do have a Father in Heaven that knows us and listens to us and is totally aware of everything we do. And since Papa died, this has been so relevant to me because, as you know, well, maybe you don't know, so I'll tell you. <laughs> Every day I find there's something else that I can't do because I'm getting old. And I have just had a horrible time trying to adjust to that. Yeah. Things that used to take me just five minutes to do now take me an hour. Yeah. I can't even vacuum anymore. It's like there's it's it's just like everything. And yeah. so every morning I ask the Lord to bless me so that I can get up and walk and go do the things that I need to do. And he does. Because I can actually get up and walk better. Yeah. And I've been there. I've nearly fallen about, you guys don't even know this. Nina does, but nobody else does. Well, and Karen. There's been several times that I've nearly fallen. And I've been cleared at an angle. I don't know how to tell you that, but it's like, you know, I, was, I wasn't halfway down, but I was close, way forward. And something has held me back up and stood me on my feet. I know that someone is watching over me. It's happened so many times. And other little incidents that just show it, you know. I, and of course, I have a prayer. I used to laugh at my mother because she would pray to it because when she went to bathroom, she was afraid she was going to potty before she got there. So she would waddle along in her walker and ask Heavenly Father to bless her so she didn't wet her pants. And I think, boy, Mama, that's just about as dumb as you get. 
I'm doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And I never thought I would do that. And here I am living that life now. And when you, when you know that your best friend is the savior, makes all the difference in your life. And I've got acquainted with him because I've read the scriptures and studied, and I've talked to him a lot about everything. Now, I'm not saying I'm this big, perfect lady by no means, because boy, I fall flat on my face every day, just about. Right. But we I all know, know, yeah. I know the gospel is true, and I have no doubt about it at all. And that's why I say I love you, and I know you love me, so dying doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter, because we're going to all be together. Because you're trying to be as good as you can, and I'm trying to be as good as I can. And that's all the Lord asks. That's why we have the atonement. It's because he made up the difference. And I'm just so grateful for that knowledge. And I wouldn't have had it had I didn't have seminary and love the fact that that I could ask the Lord for help and got acquainted with him. It, it, it didn't come as a blast in the night. You know, these people get up and say, wow, I just knew it was all true. No. All at once, yeah. No, mine was... Mistake by mistake by mistake by mistake by mistake. Yeah, line upon line. And finally, I know without a shadow of a doubt who he is. And I can't imagine why other people can't see that. And it's kind of narrow-minded of me, I know. But, you know, when you know that the Lord's in your life, and you're so grateful for him for what he done, how could I not obey? How could I not do the very best I do now with everybody just to tell him thank you? Yeah. How totally much I appreciate him and love him and love our Father in heaven. <laughs> what a great man he is, boy. What a great, great man both of those men are. And they are men as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. There's a lot there. As a as a mother to these four young rascals and we've all heard the stories yeah how how was it for you to see all of them grow through the gospel or through the years how was it yeah how how cuz cuz y'all joined the church more I know you remember beforehand but but papa really got you started as, as you were talking about how was that as a mother seeing them all grow through the gospel and then as they've all gotten older and had gotten married and had kids of their own has that influenced your own testimony in any way oh man it's been a huge influence a huge my kids have always been an influence on the gospel with me i as i've watched them i know it's even more true like dina she got divorced and and then she lived here with us, and I would watch her, and she, I would think, she's making the stupidest decisions I ever thought. I mean, holy cow, doesn't she know how ignorant she's doing right now, you know, because she's an adult. And I would say to her, hey, Dina, are you sure this is the right decision? And she'd say to me, Mom, you just have to trust me, I prayed about it, and this is what I'm supposed to do. And then I think, just watch yourself fall. It almost kind of was anticipating that she wouldn't fall. Funny thing, she never fell down because she was listening to the Lord. And I gained a huge testimony to shut up and listen and obey completely, whether it looks stupid or not. 
obey. Because I watched her all of this time, these many years that her and I have been together. What I think it's 15 now that we've been together. Uh, and she's done great and wonderful and has grown and she's a powerful woman. Yeah. A powerful woman. And she's doing what the Lord wants her to do. You know, there's, I think there's, there's fun and there's happiness and then there's joy. Fun is, is, ha ha, we're having a party tonight. Yeah. And happiness is, I feel all nice, warm and fuzzy. And joy, you can't even hold it all in. Joy is deep down in your soul. And when you feel that joy, nothing else matters. And that's how I feel with each one of my kids as they, I've watched them grow in the gospel. David went away for a little while from the gospel. And the day he came back, I was the most joyful day of my life. Because he was a good, good human being, and the Lord knew that. And the Lord didn't lose him. And he didn't lose the Lord. No, he didn't. No, he didn't at all. Yeah, absolutely. So every one of them have impressed me. They are giants of people. They are they're not, not perfect. They all make stupid mistakes. But look at I make them every day still. Yeah. We all do. But they are top notch people. Yeah. And they all love the Lord. And what more can a mother want? There's nothing that I know of in this life that is more joyful than to see your family love the Lord. Yeah. And for my great grandkids out there that someday might hear this, I feel the same way about them. They all have the potential of being wonderful, bright human beings, and they should never doubt themselves. We came from a good, strong heritage. And I didn't realize that until I started putting my genealogy books together. Now, not genealogy like everybody does, from father to son to on down the line. The, the pedigree charts, yeah. But, but the total fact of the things that our family did when they were just young has taught me that I can do anything. If they could do go through what they went through and still be strong in the gospel, shame on me for not doing it. And I, I just want all my great-grandkids to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the gospel's true. We do have a Savior, and He loves us. And to me, that's joy. I'm happy today. I'm sad, but I'm happy. I miss Papa really, really bad. And I didn't yeah. think I would. I thought, boy, I'm going to not miss this guy very long, maybe a year or two. And honestly <laughs> saying it today, this day, sitting here right in this chair, I miss him more now than I did before. Yeah. Because when you marry somebody and you go through, you walk on the hot rocks together yeah. and you yell at each other and hate each other part of the time and don't talk and you go through all this misery, the joy you have of making up is totally worth all of the rocks you walked on. So when you get somebody, hang on to them for dear life. Yeah. Be there like Papa was with me. He said, we were sealed in the temple. We're not going to split up ever. Yeah. And he meant what he said. And we both changed. And we changed each other. And we become better people because of us being together. And hopefully we taught our children to be better people. That's my that's been my wish. What were some of the or maybe just one or two that you can think of? 
what were some of the hard experiences that that strengthened you in the long run but maybe were you know maybe not so so fun to go through but that influenced you in the gospel well i can just be honest with you Dalwood. the hardest thing i've ever done is to be a, is to live without your father beyond anything learning to adjust without having you made the hardest thing i have ever done yeah now i I did have one or two hard things. When I had cancer, I, the doctors told me that I was going to die in just a short time. That was when I had uterine cancer. And, uh, we were in Libby, Montana. And something was gone when I found out that I had it. And uh, so I, Dad said, what would you like to have when they, if you're going to pass on? Let's do whatever it is you'd like to do. And I said, I just want all the kids here. So they all came. It was really cool. They all came. And I didn't die. <laughs> so we got a good visit and we had a good visit. But that was that was a hard time because I didn't have it. As I grew with the gospel, I was at a point that and then I wasn't I thought I knew it all. We never know it all. Right. And I know that now. But back then, I thought I knew it all. And I think I was 50. I think I need to figure it out the other day. I was 57, maybe. And I really thought I knew it all. Well, you'd gone through a lot up to that point, of course. So, I mean, yeah, I can, That's I can right. see it. I sure was far from knowing it all, I'll tell you. Yeah. And I found out how little I did know. And then I tried to figure out, well, what is it the Lord wants me to do if I'm still on the earth now? So what am I supposed to be doing? And uh, I don't know if I ever figured it all out or not. I just tried to be the best person I knew how to be. And that's always been my goal ever since I was a kid. I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that they... I answered your question. Yeah, no, no, you did. I didn't know that you'd been diagnosed with cancer when, when everybody was in Libby. I didn't know that. I did. And then, I'm fine. Yeah. I lived through it. <laughs> That's another one of those crazy stories that go back a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> what were some of... Uh, well, I know obviously there's some some big ones, but what were some of the joys? What were some of the other the other joys in the gospel that you remember? Oh man, I'll tell you. I know it easy. We were Dad and I were working in the Portland Temple, and um, we um, I, we could it, it was actually it was our anniversary. I think it was our twentieth anniversary. Must have been more than 20. Maybe it was the 20th anniversary from the time we were sealed in the temple. That's why. Oh, okay. It was okay. the 20th anniversary for when we were sealed in the temple. And I didn't even think about it. Dad didn't either. We were in the temple. And we were called to be the first follower. I was called the. Papa was officiating, and I was the first. Anyway, I was up with him. Yeah. Yeah, temple um, working, yeah, temple workers. Yeah, right. And uh, and we they started session and we looked out at our audience. Guess who was in the audience? I don't know. <laughs> Every one of our kids and their spouses oh. were in the audience. Talk about joy to be in the house of the Lord with your entire family was unspeakable joy. Just totally wiped Dad and I out just about. We had a hard time getting through with that, but we did. And we, after we got, the session was over and we all got together due to said, well, don't you know what day this is? And we said, not really, why? 
Well, it's our 20th anniversary since we were sealed in the temple. And we just all thought it would be really fun to be together. Told joy. I remember this photo from that event. I think we had um, all six of you in white yeah. in the in the little atrium there in Portland, in the Portland Temple. That's right. That's what it was. I, I remember that. I remember that. It was 20 years that we didn't feel that there's nothing like that to see your entire family in the house of the Lord. Yeah. How have you how have you been doing the last year with all these changes in the world, rapid changes in the world? How is how has the gospel helped you? Well, without the gospel I wouldn't have been here. Yeah. Walked out in front of the train or something because I just it's it's been hard. I find out that I'm a social person. I love to, um, and I never admitted that before, but I need people around me. And uh, and I was teaching a Book of Mormon class here at the house. We were having family home evening with a bunch of people coming in, and I was also teaching uh, a bunch of the sisters uh, from the scriptures, and all of that ended, and there was nobody that came in. Nobody would come except Karen, and she'd have her mask on. And Dina, yeah. was, Dina even quarantined herself so that we were completely isolated. Yeah. And uh, and Dina and I love each other a lot. And thank goodness for kind daughters that took care of me and kept me going. But I'm afraid that I fell into a bit of a depression for a little while, and. I don't want to be depressed because I have so many blessings. How can I possibly be depressed? There's people so much worse off than me. Yeah. But I found myself reading more and more and more. I went back to my other books that I've read, and I read I read about eight of them again, and loved every minute of it. And I just spent more time in my scriptures. I probably spent five or six hours a day studying in my scriptures, trying to find things to keep myself busy. And then I remember what fun it was and how happy I was when the church called and said, oh, Sister Perry, would you teach the youth on the Zoom? <laughs> and I didn't even know what a Zoom was. It <laughs> <laughs> got me set up and I saw my Sunday school class and it was just a fun it was like, oh boy, I got out of jail. Yep. All these young bucks on the computer screen, you're able to, to teach again. Yeah, I was able to hear them. And uh, it's just been, it's been not easy, but I've learned to deal with it now. I can, I kind of got myself in a, in a rut doing things and I'm, I'm just, uh, of course, luckily my body started slowing down at the same time. So it's all been pretty good. I've been trying to learn to do the same things in a different way. So I've been busy trying to learn. But I'm glad that, that uh, it made me appreciate. I found myself, I wrote a lot more letters to my friends, a lot more cards, telling yeah. them how much I appreciated them and, uh, and how good they were and how much they had changed my life. Changes your perspective, uh, adds gratitude to, to what you do have. And as, cause it's not gone. I mean, no. you know, we're going to get through this, but at the same time, we're having to go without all that contact that we'd prefer. Yeah. yeah it, I, I really, I love, I missed the hugs most of all. I just really did because I would go to church and I'd have, Bill used to say it. You know, like what they line up to hug you. I don't know why they don't hug me. <laughs> I tell them I'm a very warm person sometimes. To hug. <laughs> but then another another uh, gentleman that I know, he said, 
well, I was going to say hi to you today, but I waited in line and finally gave up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, hugs mean a lot. Yeah. I think the power of touch is really important, and I think that that's a lot of what's wrong with our world today because, you know, we need touch. Babies that- need you to touch them. They don't need you to sit have you sit in their car seat and feed them or they they want to feel i mean they've proven that with monkeys yeah they die without being touched and loved and i think that that's what i know that dina's got a lot of clients that have said the thing that's been hardest for them and their your their young kids is that they don't feel like anybody cares about them. and it's because people don't hug like they used to they're they're so afraid of a germ or disease or whatever and i don't i don't blame them because i know that i don't want to i don't want to get i don't care if i die from this virus i really doesn't bother me a bit it's the fact that i wouldn't die and i would just hang on and cause my family to have a huge burden taken care of me that's what bugs me. It's not the fact that this might kill me. Right. Because if it kills me, hooray, I can see Papa soon. But just the hanging on and causing disheaval in the family and and hardship, I don't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. I totally understand what you're saying. Absolutely. I think that connection the physical touch is is a strong part of of connecting with others um, we talk and and we can speak and that's great and that's good and we should do that and but but there is that physical touch is good hugs and knowing that we're there just touching somebody's hand or their shoulder yeah or just feeling close to them just needs to be done and I think that's what's wrong with parents today. I'm, I mean, condemn the parents, okay, right now. That's right. I really believe that parents do not. Uh, that's one thing I've done with my boys and girls. That's really one thing that I really, I've always been a huggy person. And my girls and boys knew that I loved them because I hugged them. And every day I told them I loved them. And my grandkids, I don't know if you can remember, but I told you every time I saw you that I loved you. I remember. And I tell that now to my little tiny, like my, like Mac. Yeah. Is he, I think he's four. I don't know how old he is now, but he's just a little guy. And, yeah, he is. And Eli, oh, that Eli is a wild kid and I love him to pieces. <laughs> and I hug him and tell him I love him. And he just looks at me and grins. <laughs> no, that is so powerful to me. Yeah, he knows I love him because when he comes to the house, he comes right up and hugs my legs. Yep, and that's wonderful. It is. It's just it, it's how you teach children to take care of others, and they they bless my God all the time just because they smile and hug my legs. Yep. We're we're narrowing in on on time, okay. but I I want to I want you to share with us what message would you give for for the for future generations? Maybe you know a, a specific grandchild, maybe down the road. What would you? have them do to, to weather the storms coming up that we don't know about right now, but, but they will be facing. And then, uh, and then I'll ask you one last question and then we'll, and then we'll close. But what? Well, what I would tell them is, is that they need to love their parents, even though their parents are that's part of the time. <laughs> to them because they've been on the earth longer than they have. And there yeah. are some things that you just learn from your parents. And they need to learn to love themselves. Know that they are a child of God. Not just say it and sing the song, but put it in your heart. 
know that you belong to royalty, that you are someone special, and the Lord has a job just for you to do. And nobody else can do that job but you. Know that with all your heart. And start out, parents start out telling their children that from the time they can hear. We think that these little babies don't understand. They understand a whole lot more than we think they do. Yeah. And we need to tell them every day how precious they are and how wonderful they are. Don't, don't look at each other or your children like and that you're looking for something for them to make a mistake. I'm just dying to get you catch you in mistakes so I can discipline you. Right. Right. But look at them for who they can become. And then you help prepare them for who the Lord wants. Not who you want them to be, but who the Lord wants them to be. And you ask the Lord and he will tell them. He will tell them he will tell you and prompt you and ideas will come into your head. I just really feel strong about that. I wasn't with the Lord when the kids were little, but the Lord never left me. I just didn't know how to interpret what was happening, that it was the Lord doing it. But I know that now. But ask, don't be afraid to ask somebody. Don't be so stuck on yourself that you think you're so caught in pick and perfect that you don't need help. Because we all need help. Thank you. Um, I just have one more question, and and then um, I think our time is up. But Grams, how do you how do you find peace in your life? Whether that's on a a daily basis or maybe an hourly basis, I don't know. Maybe a weekly, monthly yearly but how do you how do you find peace peace comes to me as quick as i say father in heaven please let me do the things i need to do help me to do those things and peace flows into my body and i know because i know him i do know him with all of my heart I know that he will tell me what to do and help me. And it doesn't matter what circumstances I'm in or how stinking on me I've been. He, he wants us to be good, but he knows we're going to make mistakes and be naughty part of the time. So he's provided the reason for that. And knowing that he died for me and did everything that I and have excused me from everything that I do bad. That gives me peace. I have sure knowledge of who he is. And I finally know who I am, which has taken me a lifetime to really, truly figure out. Because I know I'm a child of God and he does care about me. And with him I can do all things. Well, however hard it gets, all I have to do is say, please hold me up, Father, and help me, and I'll do everything I can to help myself. And he will. Yeah. And he does, every day. Yeah. I found that to be in my, in my life as well. Absolutely. I guess I'm supposed to say thank you for doing this. I sit here and cried for a half hour. <laughs> I told Dina, I said, I'm gonna, my voice is going to be squeaky because I'll probably end up crying. And I thought, no, I don't need to cry. But it just, it just, when I talk about the Savior, I just tears fall. No, I, we, we wanted you to share. This is, this is what we wanted. I, you were talking about some different experiences there and I I got a little teary-eyed myself, especially with, with Uncle Dave there. He loved you, Dal. I miss him. So do I. 
He was a big part of my life. He strengthened me. He taught me to be strong, David. Yeah. He taught me I could do hard things. So did Papa. Yeah. It would have been easy with Papa, you know what? Look what a wuss I would have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both of those two did a lot of hard things. Uh, yeah, they did. They were they did. They went through a lot, but you know, he's totally he actually came to this earth the way he was for a reason. He wanted to it. And he and he succeeded. That's what's great. Yeah. Accept the challenge and then do it. And he did it. He, I mean, I'm here to testify that Dave did exactly that. The Lord yeah. loved him. And he loved the Lord. I hope I can do the same thing when I get held accountable for what I've done. Yeah. I love you two guys, too. Love you too, Graham. Thank you. Busy listening and doing this. <laughs> well, we love you, Grandma. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Take good Thanks. care of your baby. Anyway, we, we appreciate you sharing with us, Grandma, today. I appreciate it a lot. It's It's been very inspirational and, and, and really good. Um, if any of our, our listeners would like to receive a copy of the privacy honoring version of the episode, please feel free to send us an email. Uh, if you know of someone or feel like someone should be on our show, please let us know. Uh, send us an email also on that. Um, we appreciate you tuning in and listening. Um, stay safe out there and uh, and please join us again uh, for, so you can hear me when I'm gone. Gems for the generations. <laughs>